start with Monster Squad Headquarters. I hadn't thought about what that might be, or even that there was one until you mentioned it. But I think what happened there was some big landlord in the city, somebody who works for one of those development corporations or something, they were um, induced to donate the lease on an old factory building along the river. I think there's a river in Stringersburg. If not, then, you know, just the industrial district. But anyway, I think I think Fergus made some land developer give him the lease to this old factory for like a dollar. And, you know, maybe he dressed up as some sort of community activist type while he did it, and maybe he just made him do it and then made him forget that he did it. Depends on what his mood was that day. So Monster Squad HQ is just like a huge, old, empty factory lot, pretty much. So I think what he's going to do is try to put the puker into... Um, Experiment 7's orbit and see how the two of them get along. And I think he's going to do it indirectly by leaving them both clues that lead toward the old Monster Squad headquarters. So if, um, if you know, the Vom Train guy is uh, looking for, for crimes to solve or, or prevent... I think Fergus will dress up as a, he'll get some like biker jacket and some, you know, big stompy boots from the, the Goodwill or something, make himself look like an 80s punk piece of shit nightmare. And he'll, uh, he'll stomp around the puker's neighborhood, find somebody who looks like they have a lot of money and telekinetically pull their wallet out of their pocket and sort of flaunt it and be like, ha ha. And like make a, make a show of going in the direction of the factory district, stop somewhere along the way to like spend a bunch of the money that he finds in the wallet or like use a credit card in there to rack up a bunch of, you know, bullshit charges but um, he'll ultimately keep the wallet and stash it inside the warehouse, um, inside the old HQ. And anytime he's anywhere near the headquarters, he's extremely careful to sneak in so he's not observed. He doesn't want anybody to see anyone coming in or out of that building, and he wants to be sure to see if anybody else comes and goes there. Um, as for Seven... I think he he can sort of assume that Seven is, like, coming by the headquarters or, you know, came by it at some point. Maybe he'll do the old trick of leaving a, a weird classified ad to this effect. And, and maybe he'll also do some graffiti somewhere, like, near the old headquarters. I th I th I think what he's gonna what he's gonna do in both cases. I think I think the message is he's gonna write he's gonna place the ad and he's gonna spray paint strong urus died for your sins. Not because he really thinks that, 
but because the word sin sort of conjures up Van Slyke, it sort of hints at him without actually having anything to do with him, and it's intriguing. So he'll he'll put that message out in like uh, there's there's probably some sort of like shitty local weekly like the Metro or something that has super cheap classifieds. So he'll do one there, and then he'll do one in like the the main Stringersburg paper. He'll he'll just sort of drop it off in the the office of his. Uh, Oh no! Wait, no, never mind. Um, I forgot that his news guy is a TV news guy, so he'll just he'll place that ad in a couple of papers, and he'll also spray paint it in that area around the district, and then uh, around the old Monster Squad headquarters, and then he'll like post up on another building near there and just wait, because he wants to see those two interact and see how it goes. He's still sort of nervous about the whole idea of getting another group together, so he's being very cautious this time. But as far as the other Project Spectrum children, I think he's going to put a... I think he's going to hire a PI to investigate the person in Colorado whose background is so mysterious, and he's going to let the others go for a while. He'll, um... He probably knows enough about computers to set up a uh, a news alert, you know, like an RSS feed or whatever the fuck. Um, so if any, if the names of any of the other Project Spectrum people come up, he'll get a he'll get an alert about it. He is interested in getting into the Meta Police database, and so he's gonna he's gonna hand write a letter. And go out of his way to post it from an obscure location. You know, he'll, like, take a train or something or, like, steal a car and drive to another major city. You know, he, he wants to, like, disguise where it's coming from. But uh, he's gonna he's gonna write a letter to Connecticut and ask how she's doing, and tell her that he's still really trying to lay low, trying not to be involved because he's so upset about how things ended with the league. He felt like the people in charge of the team really didn't know what they were doing and and all of that. And that and that doesn't reflect on her in any way. But he's just like trying to stay out of it but he is kind of curious and if she could maybe help him out with login info for the meta police database he would at least like to know what's going on in the world so he can sort of judge if it's time for him to like re-enter the whole scene um that's how he's gonna put it to her anyway and, you know, I'm sure some of his, like, deep loneliness works its way into the the letter subliminally. You know, there's probably, like, a... It would probably be easy to read it as a letter looking for some sort of emotional feedback or, or, or payoff. You know, it, it, it probably... It, whether he wants it to or not, it probably seems like a letter that's asking for something it's not asking for some kind of approval or at least engagement or something from her. You know, it's, it's 
it's trying to be all like, oh, I don't really care, no big deal, blah. But he really, really cares, and it's really a big deal. And um, he considers not sending it, um, considers burning it a couple of times, but he sends it. He tells himself he's sending it to her because he just wants the information from the meta database and she can get it to him. But um, he probably also, like, wants to hear some sort of, like, very gruff, positive statement from her that'll, like, maybe sort of restore his hope in people generally and in metas specifically. And um, he'll sort of obsessively search her, her hero team, the Four Corners Protectors, and see what they've been doing and, like, nitpick and critique everything that they've been up to. Um, but he sends the letter regardless. I'll type up a list of metas who I think might be in Stringersburg, and I'll send it to you, and we can compare lists. But I was thinking that Puppeteer actually has v very little interest in anybody who's like a Batman wannabe, somebody who's not actually a meta, who just is like a dedicated person with heroic instincts and, you know, some homemade armament and stuff like that. You know, somebody like that, as far as he's concerned, is a total putz. But he would love to use them as tools against the Nihilist, because part of what makes the Nihilist so difficult is the fact that he can nullify meta powers. So Puppeteer would probably start, like, researching who these non-meta street-level heroes are and, and see if they have anything in common. You know, not just in terms of, like, data or, you know, demographics, like, oh, they're all middle-aged men. You know, they're, like, early middle-aged. They're all, like, dudes in their late 30s who are ex-mill. You know, like, that's kind of interesting. But really what he's going to look for are, like, subjective accounts of what these guys have done or girls or, you know, people or whatever. Um, you know, dogs, super dogs, meta, meta, uh, non-meta, meta monkey, lizard, genderless people. He's really looking for the ethos um, the spirit, like what's their story? Because ultimately what he could, what he thinks he might do with people like that is sort of craft some sort of overarching narrative about like how, you know, regular people have to take back Stringersburg or shit like that to make some sort of group. Like, if he could make a, a group of non-meta heroes and then just throw that group at the Nihilist to wear him down or to make him look bad in public, he would love that. He'd be like, ah, yeah, negate this, you you piece of shit. Um, you know, use your use your fancy uh, meta gun to, to shoot down a bunch of, like, you know, stockbrokers who've just gotten a little too enthusiastic about their MMA classes or, you know, like, yeah, fucking shoot this high school janitor who's just really upset about the drug problem in Stringersburg and like made a mask and isn't even really doing it right, but is fucking trying because he cares. Like fucking kill him, you asshole. Deal with that. He's going to forget about the edge for now. He doesn't really need to 
to deal with the whole knife thing. But um, the main thing is like going on this stakeout and trying trying to lure, you know, the the puker and experiment seven to that to that old headquarters and and see how they interact with each other. He he'd spy on that like a motherfucker. The kid that you're trying to lure into Experiment 7's orbit ends up taking up the moniker The Mad Spitter. It takes you probably about four or five times of stealing a couple people's wallets, uh, spending their cash and their credit cards to lure him uh, correctly into the uh, industrial district by the riverside where the old uh, Monster Squad headquarters is. But you find that he is following you after this last attempt, and you have time to post up outside and have a good vantage point. You see him working his way through the district. Uh, he follows your your breadcrumbs, just like you're wanting. This is you know pretty much going perfectly as scripted. He sneaks into the uh, old Monster Squad headquarters. You don't know if Experiment 7's there, but just trying to keep general track of them for some reason is is kind of difficult. Like, you've got a good idea of where Experiment 7's at, but you're just not absolutely sure. Um, they may be there. But as the Mad Spitter slips inside, you know you're going to have to change your vantage point, but you've had this already planned out. You switch over to the building, you and you find a access port uh, in the rafters. Uh, that'll give you a good vantage of pretty much the entire layout of the floor. There's a couple of small rooms, kind of loft style, with you know open ceilings that you guys had as um, individual rooms and and whatnot. And there was a common area, but a majority of the place is still just a derelict warehouse. And you see Mad Spitter kind of pick his way through. He finds the cache of wallets that you had stashed there, and he goes through and he puts them in his backpack. His outfit pretty much consists of generic Under Armour stuff that you would buy from Walmart. And he's uh, he's got a mask that is slightly modified, so it leaves his mouth open. But as he's walking his way through and everything, uh, almost materializing from the floor, not sure if that was ever one of Experiment 7's powers, but it, more than materialized, they just seem to ooze up from the floor. Experiment 7 looks completely different than the last time you saw them. Their body has what looks like to be no joints, no discernible bone anatomy. Um, if their face wasn't pointing forward, you wouldn't really be able to tell. Their arms have elongated. Their legs are shortened. Uh, they have a very serpentine, kind of ooze-like quality to the way they move. Uh, they don't seem to be making any sound until you hear a, their odd, harmonical, neutral voice uh, address Matt Spitters. Excuse me. What may I ask that you're doing here? You know, Matt Spitter about jumps out of his skin and he turns around you know they they share banter he pretty he accuses experiment seven of of stealing all these wallets and spending these people's money ruining his community and that he was here to stop them 
Experiment 7 refutes this, um, tells them that you've got the wrong person. It's a case of mistaken identity. And after some more accusations from Mad Spitter, Experiment 7 just kind of smoothly turns around and starts to to walk away. And you know, Mad Spitter says something to the effect of not to underestimate him, hawks a big old viscous clopule towards Experiment 7, and a fight ensues. Spitter gets a couple of hits in. He is obviously outclassed. It's not that Experiment 7 has a lot of experience. You would think that they're still pretty young, but they always have been pretty powerful, not in an overt way, the way that the puppeteer is. Um, just a raw, massive power, but on more of a physical skill set. Uh, that's where their power seem to be, and they're, and they're they're pretty powerful. And right now, it seems to be like they can stretch their limbs, and they're very pliable and malleable in their physical form. But uh, Experiment Seven gets Mad Spitter down on the ropes and could easily finish him off, and of course doesn't. Helps him up, dusts him off, and they seem to calm down. They have their typical superhero versus superhero just met fight and now they're sitting down and seem to be talking about what's going on and whatnot and you take this opportunity to kind of slip out this has gone perfectly um you know you wrote this script exactly and even though it took a couple tries to get one of the players to go along you, you just you nailed it this time you you take care of this when you come back uh from having traveled and um since you're post to Connecticut, and I thought that it could be easiest, and you can correct me if you think otherwise, but you travel a couple hours north to Chicago where you still have a P.O. box set up, and that's actually where you mail the letter to her, and it also gives a general neutral location without giving anything away as to your current whereabouts to her. And could also afford her to get a quick response back to you if you're willing to travel to go check it. The Four Corners Protectorates are actually fairly close to Chicago, probably a, a little west. And also, you pull some strings and, you know, some people who know some people that uh, have reliable PIs and... You start to look into investigating. It's going to be a little pricey just because you don't have a ton to go on about trying to find this guy in Colorado. But you do hire the PI. You don't expect anything to come super quick just because there's so little to follow besides the name. As you're traveling home and the person that you're looking for is called River Faulkner... And on, as you're on your your way home from the industrial district, you're you're traveling through uh, part of the town where um, it's kind of nicer. Uh, there's still people out after dark, um, people trying to socialize and whatnot. And you pass a, a bank of TVs uh, on an outside bar, and you know, as per usual in larger cities, there's a dedicated news station to metahuman activity or that's, you know, spectacles for the media to, to tape. And there appears to be 
outside of a um, commercial building, fairly large, you know, 20 story uh, monolithic looking structure, very few windows um, for the working masses to, to hamster their lives away inside of cubicles. A supervillain has taken the building hostage. Um, he's in a fairly uh, complicated looking armor not not like archaic plating, but something more modern uh, with like a gas mask looking structure on his face. Uh, fairly large individual, but you can't get a lot of definition. And the the sound is, is down, so you can't really hear, but you do see on the ticker tape, Mad Meta demanding puppeteer, and they actually spell puppeteer P-U-P-E-T-T-E-E-R. So whoever is doing this is completely incompetent. Um, so I'll leave it to you as to what you want to do to handle this. Fergus is immediately agitated. He finds a sort of non-public spot where he can look closely at the coverage of this event, trying to see if he can learn anything more from the media images of this uh, this villain for a few minutes before giving up on that. They don't understand this sort of thing anyway. These meta-news companies, I think they can boil down the complex, foolish, beautiful, devious meanderings of all these weird non-humans or superhumans. They think they can take all that and distill it down into some sort of easily understandable headline. It's all trash. It's filth. Makes him angry. So, he finds a, um, whatever disguise or costume, yeah, whatever costume he's wearing, he, uh, supplements it a little bit to make himself even less recognizable than usual, including, and he'll shoplift this if he has to, a cheap, uh, mask, like, like a ski mask kind of thing. And he, uh, slowly takes public transportation over to the site of that building, or uh, toward that area and gets out just sort of goes around the perimeter whatever perimeter the authorities have established and just sort of listens in on people's conversations just like trying to hear what people are saying 